0: You're listening to Afternoons with Gillian O'Shaughnessy. Hello, five minutes past two. You're on Afternoons on Seven Twenty ABC Perth and ABC Radio across Western Australia. I'll give you our numbers: one double nine double two seven twenty, and our talkback line is one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Sabrina will be in after two thirty. So if you've got a gardening question for her, you might want to get that in now, at least on. SMS if you want to get it answered. It's a very special day for the Irish today, St Patrick's Day, as you may or may not have picked up across across the day. Most Australians, I think, can usually dig up some sort of Irish heritage if they think it'll get them a free green beer. What we want to talk about today, though, is, is a bit broader than Irish heritage. It's just about heritage in general i think what we want to know is 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 what happens emotionally and 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 physically when you give up your home and move to another country and i've never done this so i'm really interested to hear what it's like what that what traditions you hang on to whether it's about stuff, if you can can you pick up and carry the bits that you that you want and keep your heritage with you that way and leave behind the bits you don't want, or is it something that you carry with you? I'm talking to three people who have very different backgrounds about heritage today. Ainsley Hodgkinson, she's Australian. She's moved to the Middle East as the wife of Australia's foreign correspondent Ben Knight in Jerusalem. And she's been there for several years. Carol Kerr is from Northern Ireland. She's been living in Australia since the 1970s and she came here with her mum and dad to escape the troubles there. And Jeremiah Wordsworth moved to Australia with his family from a refugee camp in Liberia in 2005. So three people with massively different backgrounds, massively different heritages with us on afternoons i 'll say hello to ainsley first she 's on the telephone, so we 'll just make sure she 's happy hi ainsley
1: i 'm happy and i 'm here fantastic
0: hello. nice to talk to you
2: great to talk to you too
0: and we've got we 've got Carol and Jeremiah with us as well how are you doing uh, hi julian it's it's such a I mean, for me, such an enormous thing to think about—just giving up the place that you were born and moving somewhere else. Carol, can we start with you, and can you tell us about about what made you move to Australia, and just that 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 transition from going from one place to the other?
2: Well, I guess really, it was my parents that um, were the ones that made that very brave decision in the seventies. Because how old were you then? I was seven. But, uh, you know, way back then, Australia was the other side of the world. It took, it took you 36, 40 hours to get here on a plane and you never came back from Australia. That was sort of the mentality over in Northern Ireland and the UK then. But really for for them, it was to get their two kids out of the troubles, to give them a, a better chance at a good lifestyle, a better chance at uh, freedom, I guess, because we were growing up in the, in the middle of the Northern Ireland conflict and we would spend a lot of time showing our bags when we went into shopping centres and getting searched and leaving a department store a couple of times because there was a, maybe a bomb scare that day in there and and seeing people affected by the troubles and, and the negativity. And it was a very brave decision by them to uproot their family and come all the way to Australia, and I'm very thankful they did. Did you have any
0: sense at Seven about what it was like Absolutely. there?
2: Absolutely. You, you couldn't miss it. It was around you all the time. And as I said, you'd walk, to go into the middle of the city, you'd have to go through army Patrol barricades. You'd um, you'd um, very quickly ha- have to show every bag you carried. Sometimes you'd have to be patted down. Um, you would go shopping, and you'd and there'd be a bomb scare. So you'd walk out and stand around the corner of the laneway. And you know we had pe- people that uh, my father worked with that had been injured in explosions. And it was a very uh, strong feeling of environment. It was a great childhood. You know, it's a beautiful country, but it was just a bad time, I guess, to be there. And and. When you look back now, it's a much better place. But and to be in that
0: part of Northern Ireland To be in that Ireland part well. of
2: Northern Ireland. We lived just outside Belfast, so you were sort of in, in the middle of it all. But, um, and I have great memories of growing up there, but I'm ever so grateful that they made that choice because for me, when I look at our lifestyle and the opportunities we've had, I just feel so much fresher and free than perhaps some of my cousins and stuff that, that are happy but in a different sort of way.
0: Jeremiah you you came from Liberia. Do you mind if I ask how old you are and how old you were when you got here?
3: Oh, I am 22 now, 2023. So I was 18. I was 18 when I left um from back home.
0: So can you tell us about where you came from and and the reasons why you came here?
3: Okay, um I'm from Liberia, West Africa. Um back home, I left from my country because of war. There was 13 years of war and uh the main reason I left was because my dad was Muslim. And at that time, the war was between Muslims and Christians. And they was looking for us a lot. So uh, my dad said he couldn't leave because he had a lot of goods, a lot of companies there. He didn't want to leave his company. But my mom was scared, you know. <laughs> so she took us, uh, me and my sisters, and we, we ran away. But my dad didn't make it because he died because he was Muslim. And we started running from places to places from streets to streets, sleeping in bushes, unknown places. Um, Yeah, and we left, we went to um, a border. I can't remember, but I was little, I was small. But we left, we went to a border, then we crossed the border into Ivory Coast. It's just a neighboring country, next to Liberia. And that's where we were, Yeah, for we we stayed there for like, um, I think seven years or something. And during that time, that's when I heard that my dad passed away because people showing off people who was maybe kind of jealous of him because of what he had and stuff like that. And because including um my mom was Christian. My dad was Muslim. So for my mom she knew the Bible. She knew so that's what took us through. Every time we read she had to even change my name. Everyone's she changed name changed your name. Yeah, she changed everyone's name to just to a Christian name so we can actually make it true. So yeah. So it you lost
0: really, you left everything behind. Even,
3: left even, everything, even your name. Le- everything. I was I uh from I was late, but my mom said I was actually in school when the war broke up, and my dad was working, so my mom was home, and from from where she, from where home to my school is like 45 minutes, so, and she had my sisters in the city and everywhere, so she tried to get everyone together. It was quite hard. I was the first person, because I was the little one that she came to run to first, and then as a lady, it's really hard when you're in that kind of situation where you can't get hold of your husband and your your children are on fire places in cities and schools and everything. She just did the best she could. Um, she got to me, and then all of a sudden we started running. And now uh, everybody she sees, there was there was a place where uh, we were all as refugees seeking refuge. So everyone that come in, my mom would be at the door at the front end, which, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my husband? Do you know where he is? Do you know? And it was it was quite dying for me to see my mom in you know, that kind of way because it was the first time after living life to the 40s and everything just changed in a second. So, yeah.
0: Do you remember how, how it, it felt at the time? And with 13 years of war, do you remember it ever feeling any different?
3: Uh, I try to, but... It's it's hard, it's hard, it's really hard when, uh, because in the same war, I lost my grandmother, I lost my grandfather, and my mom wasn't educated at all, so, and it was really hard, really, really hard, and the worst feeling was when I knew my dad was dead, and I I was, I think it was six or seven, and I had to take my mom, sometimes my mom would be walking on the road, and she'd just forget herself, like, She'd just be standing and the cars would be blowing horns on her and I'd have to run on the road and hold her and and people would start swearing, get off the road, that kind of thing, but yes.
0: So you had to step up.
3: I had to step up. I was seven or eight, I I had to step up. And uh, most of the things I had to keep it from her. When when my grandparents died, I had to keep it from her. I was seven and I had to do all that I could.
0: It must be... for you and I know Carol and Ainsley have uh, have have both made big transitions, but for you, the culture is so massively different as well. Do you do you remember that being an enormous change? Do you remember what what was that like?
3: Yeah, it was because back home we speak English, kind of fishing English. We but is you you used to do everything you, you used to go into school with friends and families, and you have everything. Uh, then all of a sudden. Africa is the French country, and then you get into Africa, then you have to, you can't speak anything like the people. You're just there. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what kind of food you're going to eat the next day. You don't, everything is, you just stuck and hoping that one day maybe someone might come along. Uh, my mom had like few of her clothes that she, she took with her. So she actually used to, this was this village I can remember next to where we were. And these people had like uh, fruits and plants and whatever. So what we did was we actually set our clothes and they would give us a little bit of the food. So whatever we had. And my mom, she was a little bit smart, So she got a lot of lappas and clothes and African traditional clothes she had in her bags. And that's really helped us a lot during that time. So, yeah.
0: Let's go to Ainsley now. Ainsley's Ainsley's in Jerusalem, and you've uh, in in Israel, and you've had a, a very different experience again. Ainsley, tell us tell us your journey.
1: Uh, hi. Look, hi. We've been here for just over two years now, and the transition has been a massive one, and one that I'm very glad to have been a part of. I mean, it's just a privilege being here. I think the one point of difference for me is that. I was never leaving Australia behind and I think you know knowing that this posting is three to to four years um, that's a small shift to make and I suppose I've been able to put Australia in a nice comfy little box wrap it up with a nice bow not forget about it. Clearly, not forget about it. Um, but because I've been able to do that, it's meant that I have been able to fully embrace a very different foreign existence, the newness of a you know completely different cultures. And I think probably there's there's a certain element of there being a protective mechanism there. I think because what, what conflict, do you mean?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: I think because conflict is a way of life over here. Yeah. If I was constantly referring to Australia, what was, what could be. I mean, many people over here say, you know, this is reality. Australia is is paradise, and I think if I was constantly thinking about that, I probably, I probably would miss home even more than I do. I mean, Ben, you know, um, my husband, who is one of the ABC Middle East correspondents, rang me yesterday, and at the moment he's covering some clashes between Palestinians and the Israeli police in East Jerusalem. And he often does this, but he rang me yesterday and he played his piece down the phone for me just to assess the story. And I could hear the adrenaline in his voice, I could hear, you know, an explosion or two in the background, and I think for me, two years on, Um, my approach to this sort of story is very different to what it was. Um, And the reason why I say that is because I probably have become a little bit more tolerant to risk. I understand risk a lot more now. I mean, two years ago, back in Australia, I would not have been able to get my head around this like I can do now.
0: When you say tolerant, do do you get used to it in any way?
1: Look, I think, again, it's a protection thing, but I'm sure there is a desensitisation that goes along with it. It kind of helps that I do have a husband who's particularly cautious. I mean, he's the sort of person who panics if my you know, child chokes on a piece of banana. So it kind of, it kind of helps me knowing that he is someone who, with every story, there is a risk, especially in the Middle East. He assesses that risk along with other ABC colleagues, and he's not the sort of person who clearly sort of stands in the way of the firing line to get the story, and he doesn't need to. But with two years behind my belt, I've got a you know very different perspective on 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 what is a very confronting life at times.
0: And, and is there um, things about Australia? Are there things about Australia, particularly with kids, when you're in another country and you're and you're, you're not in Australia anymore? Are there things that you need to bring with you so that you hang on to part of your culture, even though it's finite, for your kids,
1: I guess? Look, um, yes, absolutely. Uh, it reminds me of a, a you know, a, something that a friend of mine said before leaving Australia. She has many Israeli relatives over here, and uh, she said, um, "Ains." she said, be mindful not to drop your standards. And what she said was, uh, it's not that Israelis have bad manners, it's just that Israelis don't have any manners at all. And after two years, I am very aware of what she means. There's a word, Sabra, and most Israelis actually refer to themselves in this way. It's a very prickly outside and a softer inside. And being aware of that, um, I suppose I have almost adopted a thicker skin, I've been able to shed a thinner skin, and over here, because of the conflict in the Middle East, there, and understandably, there tends to be a much sort of harsher reality, a harsher response to life. I mean, there's a much more sort of bullyish attitude on the road, in the, you know, the shopping mall. I mean, uh, like Carol said, I mean, every day I have to go through metal detectors to get into the, the shops. Being aware of this, I've made sure to retain that Australian uh, uh, more relaxed attitude, the more, you know, don't worry so much attitude, you know, as best you can in this sort of environment. And I make sure that I tell my kids to maintain those standards, to make sure that you smile at people when you're going for a walk, to say thank you, to open that door, to, to be a little bit more chilled, I suppose, because if we didn't have that kind of response to things... I think I would have cracked, and probably cracked a long time ago.
0: Is that the thing that is? It, is it the values that is the most important thing for you to take with you? Is there any stuff that you feel like you need with
1: Look, you? Re- respect is a big one. Um, um, I think, on a a more superficial note, um, that outdoor lifestyle, making sure my kids and, you know, Sunday we drove north of Tel Aviv and here I was, uh, you know, thrashing around in the water on boogie boards and then I played football with my husband. I make sure that the kids love that outdoor lifestyle. Um, I had 12 people over for dinner on Saturday and we had a barbecue outside with many other Australians, you know, and that's a really lovely bond to have. Um, that's incredibly important. Um, uh, can I tell you a quick, anecdote that's happened recently and I think this is also plays into this whole maintaining the Australian identity as best you can. Both my children attend an American school so I need to sort of set this up so you, it makes sense. Um, my four-year-old never gets homework and the other day she she comes home with a backpack and she tells me, she says, mummy I have some homework And I pull it out and we have to put together a basic family tree. And I help her cut out these little leaves and then underneath each leaf we have to write something, obviously with mummy's help, write something about individual family members and she has to draw a picture of each family member. So she takes a red pencil and she starts to draw her grandmother, Gigi, you know, with the red pencil, red, you know, head, red body, red face. She then takes the same red pencil and she draws her brother Finn, red head, red body, red face, and then again reaches for the same red pencil. And this is an absolute true story. And then starts to, with the same red pencil, draw me. And I said, darling, why don't you grab a different colour pencil? Maybe you could do mummy's hair in blue. She stood up firmly, Miss four-year-old, put her hands by her side and said, Mummy, Martin Luther King says that we're all the same. (laughs) And and it was, for me, it, it dawned on me that here she is, if she's not talking about Martin Luther King, my son's talking about George Washington or Barack Obama, which is fantastic But very important for me to make sure that on Australia Day and every other day, I inject some Australian history, you know, why Australia is important, you know, what what Australia means to us into their life. So that they're aware that, um, you know, that that they do come from, you know, a place that is pretty damn special and they need to know a little bit more about it.
0: You're on 720 ABC Perth on Afternoons. We're talking about heritage today. I'm with Ainsley Hodgson, excuse me, Ainsley, who's Australian. She's moved to the Middle East. Carol Kerr's from Northern Ireland. She's been living in Australia since the 1970s. And Jeremiah Wordsworth moved to Australia with his family from a refugee camp in Liberia in 2005. And conflict just appears in all three of of your stories can I can I ask you Carol is there anything about coming even coming from such a conflicted time is there anything that you really miss now
2: oh I think you always miss family because especially my parents because they were you know they've got a lot of family still over there and I think you always miss family um I miss the green of Ireland Sometimes, but I have to I say... It. in summer, Australian summer <laughs> yes. particularly. Well, my folks have actually moved to Bridgetown, I think, to get a little bit of that back as well. But um, I, I also love the spaces here. Um, I guess there's, there's a little bit of the... I, love, I miss the snow, I have to say. But um, those are good childhood memories that you'll carry with you. Um, but, you know, Australia's home for me and as much as I always hang on to that bit of my past and my culture, which I think we all do, um, this is where I feel most comfortable now in the lifestyle and the opportunity, um, the space and the freedom, I have a very good friend who's a former ABC correspondent, Jill Colgan, who lives in Washington, who lived in Japan for a while. And every time she comes back to Perth, she sits at the Indian Ocean and just stares out at that water. And I say, what are you thinking about? She said, I'm not. I'm just looking at the space around me. This is, this is where I feel at home. So I think you have these little things that you bring, that you miss when you're living overseas. She's in America. And those little things at the back of your mind, like Ainsley said, that you'll hang on to and bring back with you. But they'll always be, no matter where you are around the world, They'll always be at the back of your mind, so that you carry a little bit of that with you. And the rolling green hills of Northern Ireland, I carry with me. But I do love where I am. What
0: do you What do you carry with you physically? What do you What do you bring from? Is there anything that you've got from Ireland that really says? Oh, a good
2: sense of Irish humour. I, <laughs> I think you have to have because um, you know someone will always always find out there's a bit of Irish in you and throw about six hundred jokes at you. Um, I think. Uh, Happiness. I hope. I hope that because um, I think Australians and Irish are very similar in their characteristics and their personality. They're very welcoming, and I think uh, accepting. I would hope, and I think we all don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that's why there's a great connection. And I think we're, we're relaxed two cultures and I think uh, hopefully one of that side of it's translated into where I am but you know I I like the fact that my mum brings the Irish recipes to cook I'm hopeless but I still get my potato bread and my Irish stew and my champ and what's champ champ is this wonderful it's like mashed potato and then you cook a cook a few scallions in boiled milk scallions are spring onions mix it all in together and stick a big blob of um, melted butter on the top and that's your that's your meal that's your potato meal that's your fix
0: that's fantastic Jeremiah, what about what about you? Is there anything that you really miss about your home that brings you really, I mean, happy memories that you you hold on to that feel like part of your
3: heritage? Uh, as I said, uh, I'm from Liberia, but <laughs> I left Liberia when I was really little, like seven. So, is I know I have family back home. Uh, my mom talks about my family a lot, but. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard because I was in Africa, then I made Africa Africa my home for seven years. Then the same reason I left Liberia because of war. Then war broke up in Africa. Coast. Then I have to leave Africa Coast again. You know, so it has been the thing where I try to be comfortably in one place, and I feel like my life is getting back together. Then out of a sudden, then we have to move again to another place because of war again. So, uh, I just I'm happy that I'm a Liberian. That's one thing I think with me, because uh, I'm just looking at my life now. If that wasn't going to happen, I'm not happy that it happened, but if it wasn't going to happen, I wouldn't be here today. And uh, since I've been in Australia, it's um, been amazing to um, to actually set it down. I don't have to worry about that tomorrow there's going to be a gunshot. I'm going to be in school, and then I have to leave my books and you know try to run away again. All I have to focus about here is uh, go to school, maybe try and work, feel my few bills and stuff like that. We does that should,
0: feel weird? Does it feel, I mean, running and coming from so much conflict, does it feel weird to be somewhere where you can feel settled? Do you ever, is it easy for you to feel settled?
3: For me, it's it's easy. I always try to take the positive out of a situation. I really try to, because uh, that's the only thing that keeps me alive. Only, the only thing that makes me to, to live to, for another day, because uh, um, in Australia, what makes me live for another day is because I, uh, I have my dream, I want to do things that I've never done in africa in Africa, and I want to live every day as a brand new day and take every uh challenges that come my way and the people around me um the more you get to talk to people, the more you get to know people the more you opportunities you that's available for you and it's just helping me um a lot back home in in uh Guinea, because I travel Guinea from Africa, it's because of war again, and then with the UNHCR, all these organizations around me, trying to help me, and then it just helped me a lot, so um, I just try to keep myself busy as much as I can whenever I'm down, whatever, I'll, like doing my birthdays, my mom's birthdays and stuff like that, where sometimes she would cry that she wished her husband was there, because back home, he used to take a special on those days, and... I think about back home in, in Liberia when I used to, actually hold hands and cross. So I say, okay, I have to step up again. I have to be the man. Let me, this is a new country. Let me try and be new, you know. So, yeah, it takes me. It just makes me stronger every day.
0: Did your mum get a chance to bring anything with her that still gives you a good part of, of where you came from that you can hang on to through?
3: Oh, she just brought her, her mind. She just speak her mind. She just tell you, she tells me, you know where we came from. You know we don't have no one else. We are the only, just us. We are the people. Um, just love what we have. Appreciate everything. Uh, we never had this kind of opportunity back at home. I have place that I can lay my head. I have lights. First, I used to live. I used to live on a uh, candles and stuff like that. And when there's no candles, I have to sleep in the dark for as long as I can until I get money. I don't know when that's gonna happen. Sometimes there's no work in in the camp. So we have to just stay there. So um, yeah, so she just told me, stick to what you have, love the people around you, open your heart to people because just uh, just the reason we're alive back home, we have people from the villages, people from the community will come over to us say, okay, can we help? Can we give you guys food? Can we show you guys around? So yeah, as I'm here, I'm just going to love. Every day as it comes. That's you know.
0: wonderful, and what, what beautiful advice and what a beautiful legacy. Look, thank you all so much for coming on afternoons and, and talking to us about your heritage and where you came from. It's just been amazing to meet you all and hear your stories.
1: Our thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you.